Happy International Women's Day to all the women around the world. This is a day that really just enhances the strong uh, femininity strengths that women already have. It's a day to talk about themes and uh, initiatives that can propel women forward. And it's a day to look back to see how far women have come. Uh, we are the you know, other half of the human race, and we have so much to bring to the table. God has made us in his image to glorify him and to shine his light around the world. And there's so many women doing that. And for today's podcast episode, uh, it's highlighting a strong Egyptian woman, also an American woman, Amina Khalil, and the strengths that she brings to the world of cinema. I think we're going to see a lot more from Amina from years to come, so enjoy this podcast episode. Born in Chicago, Egyptian-American actress Amina Khalil is an influential woman. As a child, she would act out Disney movie scenes, casting her friends and family to play out other roles, So it's no surprise to those who know her best that she's an actress today. But she's not in it for the fame. Acting is just her way of connecting with people. Her roles bring attention to the culture of the Middle East and the challenges that women face in society in this part of the world. In a series called Le La'a, which means why not in English, directed by Miriam Abb, Khalil played a 30-year-old woman who wants to gain independence from her family, to move out, to get a job, and to live on her own. It was planned that she would marry, and though this marriage wasn't arranged, it was a pushed union, and Khalil's character brought attention to this. The 32-year-old and I talk about a range of topics, from acting, women in the Middle East, her experience of living alone in New York City, something that's not the norm for single Arab women, her overcoming the COVID virus, fashion, and her charity work. I must say, it was a memorable experience being able to interview Amina Khalil. One, because a couple of years ago, I saw her in The Secret of the Nile, a series on Netflix, but um, in the Middle East, it's known as the Grand Hotel, and that was her breakout role, and I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm sitting in front of Nasli, that was her character's name, uh, in The Secret of the Nile, and um, so I had kind of like a a star moment, and um, she was so laid back, her feet were up on the sofa, I felt like I was talking to a girlfriend um, because she was just so relaxed, and you know, usually interviews are very kind of formal, you're sitting across from one another, but I mean, she had no socks on, no shoes on, and she's just sitting Indian style, just relaxed, and uh, it was a very memorable kind of um, interview, plus she is just, she gives a lot in her answers, and uh, that also makes for very fulfilling interviews, and it makes it easier on the interviewer's end when uh, people give you more than just a one-sentence answer. So enjoy this interview chat that I had with Amina Khalil, and go check out her work on Netflix, 
Um, and hopefully we'll see her in some English dramas uh, or comedies or series uh, on Netflix or in the Western world. So enjoy. I've always been interested in biographies and the stories of people's lives. In 10th grade, I read over 30 books of the Kennedy family, not out of obsession, but deep fascination of their commitment to public service. I read so many biographies that I've lost count, and I must say, I get this from my mother. She's always reading biographies. I'm Ali Porti, a fashion journalist and editor of Zayla Magazine. I invite you to sit in on some of my conversations with some pretty inspiring people from around the world on topics of fashion, entertainment, music, and entrepreneurship. Basically, these are conversations from the soulful side of life about topics that will hopefully inspire your life in some way. This is the soulful side of life. What was your aha moment when you knew that you wanted to be an actress? Oh God, I've always wanted to be an actress mm. since I was a little girl. I must have been maybe three or four when I when I knew. It's, I think it's when I started watching movies. Okay. When I started watching Disney cartoons wow. and acknowledging the existence of a Disney princess. Mm. <laughs> and I think that to me was like, aha, okay, now I know what I want to do. And it's it wasn't it wasn't about being a princess that was not what infatuated me mm -hmm. but it was the stories uh, okay and i would watch all these films mm -hmm. um when i was a little girl and i would reenact these these movies and these characters i would bring my friends together and i'd say okay i'm gonna be ariel you'd be flounder you'll be this you know yeah. and and we would basically sit and recite the movie Sorry. and i've always been i've always been an uh, an entertainer you okay. know, I was always like the clown of the family, always performing, always dancing, always singing, always, you know, so theatrical. Um, so it's not a surprise to them that you're an actor? Not at all. <laughs> I think I think I, they, they had no doubt that this is the career path I would choose. And I don't think anything else may have worked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is really what I've always wanted to be. It's amazing you knew that this was your calling from an early from age. Because some people age. search a lot of their lifetime trying to figure out what their calling is. Of course, I think with time though I've come to realize that acting is the means of which I can, um, you know, reach people. Mm. And to me my calling is to connect. Yeah. This is my true calling, to connect with people. And I've come to realize that Acting is the job that I do mm -hmm. that um, that helps me with my passion and mm -hmm. my passion is my calling and that is to connect yeah you know yeah. because I'm such a friendly person you know and mm -hmm. I love meeting new people even on a normal personal basis you know but mm -hmm. I'm always intrigued with people's lives people's stories and so on mm -hmm. and it's that moment of connection that to me is really why I'm here you know yeah. just to listen to people and connect with people and talk with people and bridge so many gaps between this big world that we live in you yeah. know so has there been a character that people come up to you saying that it that character touched their lives yes yeah. yes 
uh, when I performed uh, Grand Hotel, which mm-hmm. is called Secrets of the Mad, as, mm-hmm. as you know, um, I played the character of a girl called Nazli. Mm-hmm. And Nazli is definitely someone that... It's a character that left a mark, both personally in my heart and in my career, mm-hmm. I think. And a lot of people, uh, used to when they used to see me, for example, walking on the street or whatever, they'd say, Nazli, you know, like <laughs> that's what they would call out. Yeah. And uh, I loved that, you know, and I took mm-hmm. so much pride in that. I wasn't bothered by that at all. On the contrary, I felt like uh, we all fought, fell in love with this character. Mm-hmm. And if they can uh, reconnect... Uh, or they can relate seeing me to her this means I did a good job in bringing this character to life she's very relatable and I really like that she was reasonable that when she began to see the truth about her her fiance and her mom she that was one of the characters I think that was very relatable and then recently I um, last year actually I I made a show called uh, Leila which translates into why not and it was about a uh, 30-year-old girl who wants to gain independence from her family mm. and move out mm. and live by herself and be an independent uh, working woman and so on. Um, and she ran away um, the day of her wedding, mm. um, which was not an arranged marriage, but let's just say a pushed marriage, you know. And that was also very groundbreaking to me, that experience of that show, because I had a lot of people come up to me, a lot of women specifically, mm-hmm. come up and say, we know exactly what, you're, what you were feeling. We felt exactly the, way, the same way she was feeling. The conversations that the character was having with her mother, we've had these conversations. It really reflected a lot on society mm-hmm. and in, with Middle Eastern girls and Egyptian girls, of course, um, that... The, the line of where the, you know, the, the parental guidance mm-hmm. is drawn versus, um, you know, independence and, um, and self-growth and so on, this line can get a bit blurry um, with Arab culture mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And it's not every day that you find a character that actually stands up for it and voices it, you know, and tackles an issue that is uh, very close to heart to a lot of women. Mm -hmm. And that was another character most recently that I feel also um, connected to to a lot of people and um, touched a lot of people. And I've had a lot of girls come up and say that this was very inspirational for them, you know, and I appreciate that very much. It's like I heard Reese Witherspoon say that she's met women who who said, I went to law school because of your character. Because of the Legally Blonde? Yeah, and <laughs> I guess for an actress, that can be like, wow, yeah. when you're really inspiring Very people. Much. Yeah. Very much. What would you say to people who have the aspiration to be actors? And it's, a, it's an industry you have to keep trying, like even musicians, to get that big break. What advice do you have to those who keep getting rejections? You know, um, I was one of those people one day, you know. I got rejected many, many times mm-hmm. when I was auditioning for grad school in the States mm-hmm. for an MA in theater and, or acting or directing. I applied to many different schools and it was difficult for me. Mm-hmm. And um, there were many roles, even when I started uh, working uh, semi-professionally before I really take on acting as a profession 
where I also got rejected for various reasons that sometimes can be very uh, uh, hurtful, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. If someone says you don't, you're not good enough or you don't look right or mm-hmm. um, you don't have it, mm-hmm. and, you know, all these things can be... Uh, tormenting you know but um, if you believe in yourself Mm -hmm. and you know um, not to be affected Mm -hmm. by these comments negatively Mm -hmm. to know your worth Mm -hmm. and to try to take this feedback uh, constructively Mm -hmm. and switch it around so it manifests very positively mm-hmm. and use it mm. as they say you use that energy to become better you use that energy to become stronger mm-hmm. to become more powerful to become more persistent more adamant more um, dreamful or whatever to um, to to really pursue whatever passion you have i'm sure that this industry is just as difficult as many other industries in the world yeah. and that you know especially for women and especially for arab women breaking those boundaries and deciding to become an actress is takes a lot of um uh perseverance mm-hmm. and you really need to believe in yourself yeah really believe in yourself yeah. and surround yourself by a positive network of people who are going to support you who are not going to bash you you know mm-hmm. or or uh, be unsupportive in times where you truly, truly need support, psychological support, mental support, emotional support, and so on. To keep going. To keep pushing. Yeah. Keep going. Keep and going. And eventually, hopefully, a big break will come. But sometimes it's not only about a big break. I've had some of the most beautiful validation mm-hmm. that I've had in my career, not from being in front of a thousand standing ovation, getting an award or so on, it's not about that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the smallest, most humble moments Mm -hmm. are the ones that truly matter. Getting an Instagram message from a little girl Mm -hmm. telling me, you changed my life because you inspired me, because you gave me power, because you, you know, I, I look up to you or things like that. Things like those, those are the moments that truly keep you going. Wow. To feel that you have affected even one person's life. And it goes better. back to that connection of why you're in in the business to mm-hmm. begin with. Mm-hmm. Wow. Are you working on any shooting projects now? I am. I uh, am I was I was working on a film. It's a comedy. Mm-hmm. Um which I'm really looking forward to with four uh, famous male actors okay. all older males and there's me <laughs> <laughs> it's a very nice film uh, we had to stop uh, for a couple of weeks in the middle and we should resume shooting after GFF ends okay. um, there's another film that also I should be shooting but it's not going to be shot in Egypt we have to travel to Morocco for a month to shoot it there oh. it's a historical piece which mm-hmm. I'm also really looking forward to so there are two very different genres of movies um, and uh, soon enough I will be starting to work on my Ramadan show which oh. uh, yeah around January is usually the time when we start working Shooting, yeah. 
It is. Start shooting on, start shooting those shows. They take a lot of time shooting 30 episodes and stuff. A lot of prep time, a lot of pre-production, a lot of production time. So hopefully by then we should start working. So those are my future plans. Wow. A lot of um, scripts you have to keep A lot of scripts, yes. How do you balance that when it's a busy time of various roles how do you keep that in your mind you do your best to uh, not have two projects overlap you do your utmost best but of course sometimes it is difficult Mm. but to me the best way to do it is to um, have uh, you know start a project end it take a day or two off you know wash the character off wash yourself on the inside you know come clear relax have some fun Mm -hmm. spend time with friends and family you know and just kind of reconnect rejuvenate refresh and then start on a new project mm-hmm. but sometimes you don't have that luxury yeah some things overlap and um you you you, you do that basically what i said if you you take the microcosm of it you know if you cannot have a, a week off with your family or friends or to travel you know get out of town do something different then maybe you can squish it into a day yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah just to have a little break <laughs> yes yeah. How have you been spending this age of COVID time? Well, actually, you are talking to a COVID survivor. Oh my goodness. Wow, (laughs) that's great. Yeah, I got it. uh, Early in the year? No, just very recently. Wow. Very recently. Oh my gosh. I I had Corona for, uh, I spent my 14 days in quarantine. I tested positive for corona because i fell ill Mm. and it was very rough this virus really does exist and it is powerful more powerful than we think yeah um i'm sure that a lot of people all the time and fever exhausted Mm. exhausted and i mean corona god it's the gift that keeps on giving i mean every day there's something new i still haven't regained my taste or my smell Wow. Until today. I hear that that it's long For a long time. Effects. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I still can't smell anything. I still can't taste anything. I still sound a bit funny. Yeah. I think that it's it's very nasal with me, you know. Yeah. And this is mainly where all the I think the virus I feel the virus was concentrated. You know, some people have it in their throat, mm-hmm. they have throat pain. Mm-hmm. Some people get it in their lungs. Yeah. And some people get it in their stomach even these days. Um but to me I think it was really concentrated here. But I'm fine now, and I tested negative repeatedly, so it's okay. I'm I'm That's all good. good. The doctor said, "Khalas, you know, you did your time, and you're negative, and your energy's back. Go on, live live your life, and eventually you'll smell something again." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no um, there's no uh, rule. Yeah. You know, it's so variant, so you um. don't know. Um, but it's been definitely a turbulent time Mm -hmm. for sure and i think the reason that is is because nobody truly understands what's going on Mm -hmm. you know if you know something you know what to expect sure um no matter the severity of what it is Mm -hmm. but you still know what to expect yeah you know but it's it's the not knowing Mm -hmm. not understanding i think that's really the mental turmoil that goes on with this virus and like I mean, life has to go on because it seems that this is something that is, you know, existent and we have to live with it. But at the same time, there are so many precautions that need to be taken. And I really urge Egyptians specifically to, you know, understand that it's not something you can outsmart. Sure. You know, you you, should take it seriously. You need to take this virus seriously. I have to even admit 
I was not 100% taking the virus as serious until I got it. Yeah. You know, and then I'm like, okay. It's this real. Is, this is, I, I believed it. I knew it was there. I've lost friends because of it. So, I mean, I know it exists. Mm-hmm. But you sometimes get bored and sometimes you lax and it's a very human thing to feel I understand you mm-hmm. know like sometimes you're like oh this mask I can't breathe or you know you mm-hmm. forget it because it's just not something that you're used to mm-hmm. but um, truly it's um, everyone needs to be careful to yeah. protect themselves and if not themselves then loved ones or other people and I hope that we get through this yeah I hope so too before you got it like earlier this year were you just relaxing did did you take the time to just I was working oh wow we were working still shooting wow but during the time of uh, of the shooting at first when corona first hit Mm -hmm. Cairo um, I think everyone was very scared mm-hmm. and uh, that was pushing them to truly take all the precautions and also because of the importance of the of the show we were doing mm-hmm. um, there's a lot on the line you know mm-hmm. there's money and there's it's a business and there's an entire industry and there's a slot in the time and the mm-hmm. network and mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, you know business going on behind closed doors and so on um, so it's it's very important that we respect the people that believed in me that said we're going to give you a show you know and yeah. that's a responsibility on my shoulders that I needed to take care of um, we're, we're all acting um, na- was like Hollywood still going on and we stopped for other. 25 days okay we stopped for 25 mm-hmm. days at first and then we decided to go back taking extreme precautions there were doctors on set we were always wearing our masks we used to take our masks off just for the, the scene, scene. And then we'd put them back on. We would have people disinfect the set that we're working on uh, repeatedly many times during the scene. All the wardrobe, the the set was uh, sprayed before we came in. I mean, I got very lucky with a very uh, good production house that was very careful That's about good. all the precautions that needed to be uh, that needed to be done. So that was good. But we did work. Yeah, that's great though that you're able to still we did work. work because all of us need our shows. <laughs> we did, and yeah. it was right before Ramadan, and uh, the pressure of it was uh, was a lot actually. I can imagine. Because you don't want to work because you're very afraid if someone catches mm. uh, the virus, and at the end of the day, this responsibility is on your shoulders. But by the same token, a lot of people are going to not eat yeah. if you don't work because mm-hmm. some of the workers that work on location have a daily rate, you mm-hmm. know. So if you don't go, if you don't work for today, there's not going to be food on the table tomorrow, yeah. you know. So that was also a lot of pressure on me. The decision was very much thrown in on my lap, yeah. me, the director, the producer. And, you know, we just didn't know what to do. It was... It was we used to have many, many phone calls a day and we'd come and go. We're like, okay, khalas, we're not going to work, you know, that's it. And let's just call it off and we'll pick it up after Corona ends, when it ends, mm-hmm. whatever. But then it would, you'd, you'd feel the responsibility of these people, you know, that like you, you have to work. And, and yeah. then finally we got to the happy medium and God blessed us to be able to finish this show safely. That's so, great. With, alhamdulillah, zero mm-hmm. people getting sick. So that's great. That was good. Um, so you trained um, at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film School. Yes. Um, how was that experience? And do you apply uh, Lee Strasberg's methods in your work today okay. in Egyptian cinema? 
I went to Strasbourg mm -hmm. when I was 21, 21 years old. Okay. Um, I was fresh out of co 22, uh, fresh out of college, out of university, and very eager to learn, and very young. So, as much as I had benefited from Strasbourg, I think what was more important is the experience mm -hmm. of being in New York, being an Arab woman away from home, mm -hmm. and learning to hustle mm -hmm. <laughs> the streets of New York City. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think that was the most important uh, lesson mm -hmm. that I learned during that time. It's not about, it was not about the experience about it you know about the work itself about the school and so on mm -hmm. because I learned acting in many different places I I had a very good um, BA at AUC here in Cairo mm -hmm. then I did Strasbourg then I went to um, a, a program at the Moscow Art Theater in Russia mm -hmm. uh, for a while went back to the States did so much you know prereq for grad school and so on and as much as I had, of course, so much, you know, I was so thirsty for knowledge and I, and I was, I really enjoyed the, the tips and the techniques and the, the, the actual finessing the art, you know, mm -hmm. but what was more valuable mm -hmm. for me was the experience that mm -hmm. I had because it was so far away from home. Sure. You know, and that's not something that we as Arab women are used to. Yeah, we're very cocooned. Yeah, you know, you stay with family. We stay with family, yeah. uh, and if we leave and we decide to go to a different city, then it's with family. Sure, sure. <laughs> you You've know? at least got an aunt there. Of or course, something. there's someone that you know somewhere. Yeah, but to just pack your bags and leave and go to New York City is yeah. a really big thing. You know, here it's yeah. not. I mean, very few girls actually have done this, and I'm so blessed mm -hmm. that I have the family that allowed me to do that yeah. and that were always very supportive of my dream and what I wanted to do and, and this is why they were, they were okay with it and you went to a different culture completely yeah but then again I mean I was born in Chicago okay and I have family in the states so you spend a lot of time there. I spend time yearly in the I states see. so it's know? nothing new to you no it's not nothing new it's yeah. new it's very new sure and also New York is very different than sure. Minneapolis or San Francisco or the places where I've been before where I have family True. but uh, it's about being alone mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. what's uh, very new and very different about yeah. it it was a lovely experience honestly and I think it shaped me and it uh, really amped up um, certain characteristics of my personality which I feel that I needed to work on mm -hmm. you know the independence yeah. The independence, the security, the take care of yourself, mm -hmm. handle it yourself. There's no running to mom and dad, mm -hmm. you know. Um, mm -hmm. There's no Those umbrella. Those are defining moments in life. Very much. Everyone At the same time, them. I was working in the States also, so I was making my own money to pay for my yeah. stay. That's a great experience, too. It was, it no was. I was a waitress, wow. you know, in the States, and yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And I, I, as they they always say that there's a saying here in Arabic that say that says which translates into you understand the value of the one pound of yeah. the one Egyptian pound yeah. and that's really what this experience taught me you know it to taught budget me, money taught me to, to budget yeah. money it taught me not to splurge it yeah. taught me to, that this is my own you know 
blood and sweat that was able to mm. put food on my table today so I can eat. Yeah. So you, you, you value money a lot more. Mm-hmm. So see, a lot of the lessons that I had learned, uh, living by yourself, you know, uh, having a roommate for the first time, understanding mm-hmm. boundaries, not a sister, you know, mm-hmm. it's someone that you don't know, you're still going to live with, mm-hmm. understanding personal space, understanding characters, understanding... Americans are more direct. It was completely different, yeah. completely different. And I loved it, you yeah. know, and I made lifelong friends during that experience that are still my friends until today. That's great. Because you fall with good people and then you fall with not so good people and you learn yeah you know yeah gives you wisdom Um, do i apply the strasbourg technique not really Mm. i've read uh, a lot of different uh, acting methods Mm -hmm. in my life through my studies and Mm -hmm. so on and i don't feel that there's necessarily one school that i can completely um, the devote myself to Mm -hmm. I felt that there were so many important lessons that I valued in many different methods when it comes to acting and that the best way to do is to come up with your own recipe Mm -hmm. of how you're going to do this you know and uh, can I even explain it I have no idea you know I don't know but you have your own but I just have my own theory of uh, how it works and so long as I'm getting jobs I think I'm doing good yeah yeah. (laughs) Um, you know do you hope to go into Hollywood, the the U.S. industry, and making movies in the U.S.? Um, I, I, I always say that I don't, I don't really know the answer to this question because my main purpose is to, for me to act in a film, I need to truly fall in love with the story. Mm. So if Hollywood is going to present to me a story, I will fall in love with I will take it in a heartbeat. Sure. If London is going to present to me a story I've fallen in love with, <laughs> if India, if here, if there, if wherever, sure. you know, it, I don't necessarily limit myself or put myself an objective of where I want to be in terms of continent. Yeah. I put them in terms of content. So you feel you've arrived then? Because I guess some people say when I get to Hollywood, I would have arrived. But it sounds like you've you've already arrived that you're doing what you love and that you're not looking to one industry or or uh, industry country no. to make you feel like you've arrived no. yeah no. if uh, it's uh, it's all about i mean the reason why we're here is because we as um, artists are storytellers in our own way mm-hmm. and gotta give me a good story yeah yeah <laughs> That's that's pretty cool. Um, so the Alguna Film Festival has become like this this beacon of fashion in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's about film. Uh, do you feel that the organizers are good at keeping it on film? Although many people have started to see it as a place to be seen, the red carpet, the fashion. I think that all the uh, festivals and big events uh, are fashion and film holding hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, We watch the Oscars because they're all about the film, you know, and who's going to win? The Oscar goes too. Mm -hmm. But have you ever watched the Oscars and not watched the red carpet at the beginning of the Oscars? We all have, you know, we all look at the dresses, we Mm -hmm. all look at the fashion. So, I mean, 
I don't feel that they're against each other. I think that they complement each other so much, you yeah. know. And I think the same thing uh, uh, is the case in Guna. And I don't think people should fight that, you yeah. know. You should embrace it and love it and um, uh, just flow, go, go with it, you know. It's, yeah. it's so fun. Yeah. It's so fun to dress up and mm -hmm. to, you know, be in this hub of fashion land here. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, have the opportunity to access amazing film, yeah. you know, all day. Um, I still haven't gotten my booklet of movies yet, but I can't wait because I'm always like the nerd, you know, yeah, like looking, saying, <laughs> looking at the what movies. What am I going to go see? What am I going to watch? So I uh, don't think that people should have to make the choice of one over the other. Yeah. I think they both add the perfect touch to each other yeah that's amazing um i think that as you said it's an ecosystem and and both fashion and film really complement each other even just within acting itself if you're working on a period piece like your morocco piece you're gonna be able to wear amazing fashions there was a there was a uh, a course at university that I remember was called Fashion in Film. Wow. And it was all about, so I think it was specifically catered for people interested in costume design, mm -hmm. you know, so they can get a better understanding of the evolution of fashion throughout the years and how, you know, the film industry has pushed the fashion industry big time. Yeah. There are movies made about, yeah. you know, the fashion world. Yeah. Uh, you know, the devil wears Prada. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> you true. know, it's such a huge industry, and uh, and of course, that part of you know filmmaking is the glamour of it, and mm -hmm. so on. And uh, I think it's uh, so much fun. Or maybe I just have a soft spot for fashion. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but what girl doesn't like to do hair, makeup, and try on a really great designer wear? Because that's art as well. Of course. Um, yeah. It's when I go to Paris Fashion Week and I see Elie Saab or Zuhair Murad coming, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. They're, they're masters at their art, yeah. you know, just like the director is a master of uh, the film, the designer is a master of the dress that's and they true. should both be respected. Why do you think Arabs are really good in whether that be fashion design or accessory craftsmanship? Um, and why do you think it is that Arab women, there's something about Arab women, they know how to have like this confidence in wearing what they're wearing, like they hold themselves so boldly that I don't think American women have this, I think Russian women have it a bit as well, but... You know, I think that the answer for that is actually stemming from something that is a little unfortunate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The Arab world is very strict on the role, on gender roles. And it's stemming very much from a man is a man mm -hmm. and a woman is a woman. Mm. And I know that now in 2020 that these lines are getting very hazy, you know, mm -hmm. and that anyone that you approach who, who comes and says it's a man's job and if they say this to me, I'd be like, hell no, it's just as much my job as it is a man's job, you know, like, yeah. don't go there. With all this business of, um, you know, uh, um, uh, equal pay mm -hmm. and uh, um, all the, the, the movements, the Me Too movement, the 
the the women's movement, the feminist movement, all that's been, the development that has been going on, it's very much a Western ideology that mm. is being, that is still moving towards the East, mm-hmm. and the East has always been very rooted in uh, the strict gender roles. Yeah. Okay. So when you have this strict gender role of you need to be a woman, well, part of being a woman is taking care of yourself and mm. is of being very beautiful, is doing all what is expected. And being feminine too. Uh, being guess, very feminine, yeah. being expected mm. of you as a woman. Yeah. Um, so I think a big part of it is rooted in our culture mm-hmm. that women have to be women mm-hmm. you know have to be feminine have to be graceful have to be beautiful have to take care of themselves have to be good housewives have to be good mothers mm-hmm. and so on uh, there are very few I think uh, uh, stay at home dads in Egypt I don't think I don't think it even got I think maybe there are like two that I know, yeah. <laughs> you know? so I think that could be one of the reasons why Arab women uh, are known to be so glamorous, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and and so um, dedicated to beauty. And it seems like it's staying with the generations. Like I would say, in the United States, my mom's generation and before her were more formal than my generation. Mm-hmm. Like girls my age don't want to put on pantyhose, stockings, whereas for my mom, you know, like you're not dressed up if you don't have on. Go put on pantyhose, of Allison. Course. Yeah. So, of course. but it seems like here in the Middle East, the women it's it's staying very much with a 20-year-old, she's going to put on a nice gown, her makeup's going to be done right mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I don't think that uh, I mean, there are a lot of women, of course, that I know, I, I can't generalize, that are breaking a lot of these barriers, you know, breaking a lot of these rules mm-hmm. and saying, no, I'm not going to do this, you know, and stop trying to stereotype me about what I need to do to feel feminine about myself or to look beauty. Beauty is uh, the way I see it and and it's not according to your vision, it's according to my vision. Mm-hmm. And they're really starting to take it back, you know, into their own hands of of how to live their lives, how to lead their lives, what is beautiful and so on. So the pressure is being a little relieved, you know, of, of women now. But in essence, uh, an Arab woman does have an allure, I think, yeah. that is very, very unique. Yeah, I've, I've noticed Western men, like uh, in Washington, I would go to like a, a hookah lounge with friends and so they'd have the music videos on the wall. And uh, Western men looking at the TV like... <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same uh, for here, by the way. Really? The Egyptian women, if the Egyptian men, sorry, if mm-hmm. they are sitting watching TV and you have all these beautiful American women, women yeah. you know, European women, you know, blondes, very fair skin, blue mm-hmm. eyes and so on on TV, they would also be drooling over them. Yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, no one is um, content with, with what they own. have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone wants the other, yeah. whatever the other may be. Yeah, that's true. They think the grass is greener on, on the other side. side of but, course. You know, people are people. Of course. <laughs> uh, two last questions. Are you doing any like charity work uh, that you're involved in along with your... Of course, your I do very, very much. Um, I'm actually, during the GFF, I'm, uh, I'm uh, going to the... Uh, uh, UNFPA event and I'm supposed to give a speech there because I've been doing a lot of work with the UNFPA That's great. Uh, over the past couple of years 
uh, and um, I really love the, the work that's been being done there. Uh, my my heart sank a few years ago when I heard the statistics about the uh, FGM rate in uh, Egypt. Wow! And uh, I think that was the bomb mm. that was thrown on me that I need to do something about this. I didn't realize you know? it was a problem here. It's, it's horrifying. Oh, wow. It's horrible, horrible. I don't remember exactly statistics yeah. now, so I don't want to say anything and uh, you know, say something wrong. But um, I've also went back, this was a few years ago, and I went back last year to, to recheck the statistics, mm-hmm. and it has decreased... That's incredibly That's incredibly in Egypt because of the work of the UNFPA so this is something that is uh, you know I applaud them all for the efforts that they have done um, but my work there does not only it's not only about FGM it's actually more than one different topic that I found interest in um, so that's one part like the humanitarian part but also I have a little passion which I love so much and I try my best to do it as as frequent as I can. My mother is a uh, is an animal activist. Um, she saves uh, baladi dogs, Egyptian baladi dogs, from the streets of Egypt who have been uh, abused, uh, hurt, run over by cars mm-hmm. that used to be in homes that let them go. Mm-hmm. And she takes them and she. Uh, takes care of them uh, it's not only baladi dogs but also cats as well street cats and street dogs uh, and she helps them find homes abroad That's um, so she's an animal rescuer she is the one of the founders of the friends of zamalek stray dogs association in cairo and she's been doing phenomenally uh, she's one of the leading ladies when it comes to animal rescuing in, in egypt uh, and the stories that she tells me and that I've lived with her um, throughout of dogs that, for example, have, you know, one leg or are mm. blind or whatever. And they, if they're left on the streets of Egypt, they will really suffer, you know. They're mm-hmm. going to die. They're mm. not going to be able to make it. Animal cruelty is very big in Egypt. People do not respect animals as much as, Same they, in Lebanon. As much as they should at all. And she's been doing so much work to tr- to really try to help them. And she's sent a lot of dogs um, through, you know, like foster parents mm-hmm. and whatever to uh, to uh, to live in the states. And, and they've had very happy lives. And then they're still in contact with the owners now oh. of the new dogs, and they send them pictures. And the dogs are hiking, and I don't know what, and you know, doing all those with things. With the new family, and new families with thriving. lots of love and oh. so on. And it's really it's so heartwarming. Yeah. And I try my best to help her as much as I can when it comes to this. Of course, I can't dedicate all my time like she does. She is solely dedicated to this. She's an artist, and this is like her job, you know. Um, So I can't, of course, because I don't have the time. I can barely take care of my own dog. (laughs) (laughs) But I, um, I do my best whenever I can, even if I'm not you know, hands-on going, saving the dogs from the streets, taking them to the airport or fostering them or making sure that they're all right at the clinic or working with them through therapy in the kennels and so on. At least I try to cover expenses for some of the dogs because it's such a budget, you know, and she's doing it with her friends with all her heart. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, I really try to also focus on that. Yeah. It's important to me. That's great. Save the animals. Yeah, it is. I there's so many groups like this in Beirut and after the explosion like there are people going out just looking for animals like 
I mean, of course they care about people, but yeah. I thought that's amazing yes. because the animals have someone who's because thinking they, about them. They don't them. have a voice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we have to be their voice sometimes. Yeah. It, that's true. Um, oh, I should have asked this one before, but the last one, how would you describe your personal style? Fashion-wise? Yeah, fashion-wise. Uh, cool. Uh, very uh, bohemian, like boho-looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a touch of chic, uh, but has to be very comfortable. Yeah. Uh, a bit uh, out of the box. Okay. Uh, Unique. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, you know, kind of like a like a pepperoni pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just lots of different things. Is there a designer now that you are just in love with that you? Many, all the time. I think recently there's this um, uh, shoe designer Mm. called Amina Maudi. Okay. Egyptian? No. Uh, She's in the States. She's all over the place now. She's an international designer who who, who really uh, is just something else when she creates her shoes. They're so special. Yeah. Uh, and Cat uh, McCall. Okay. I always think shoes when I think fashion. I don't know why. So that it's must be your weakness, because all all women have our we- okay. Of course. <laughs> shoes. Yeah. Cat uh, McCall is uh, unbelievable. She creates pieces of art for her mm-hmm. shoes. I don't know if you've ever seen them before, but I'm they, gonna go look them. Up. They're unbelievable. They're not just normal shoes. They're yeah. statement pieces of art (laughs) you know uh sophia webster with her beautiful little butterfly shoes Mm -hmm. i like very interesting you know shoes that's Uh, that's unique and very unique shoes of course yeah so yeah that's great sure thank you so much for your time and congrats on your engagement and you have a birthday coming up you do you do i do how do you know about when i well (laughs) as a journalist i have to go and research so i can have some good questions and i saw that yes my birthday's on monday yeah you're 88 baby like me are you yeah yeah, but may (laughs) oh really you're a gemini a taurus a taurus Yeah. yeah okay yeah. All right. So it's lovely to meet you. you Thank too. you for a lovely interview. I yeah. Appreciate it very much. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode and that you have found a soulful connection to the conversation. God bless you. And until the next episode, go bless somebody else.